Hey everyone, this is Wesley Town. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to Conversations Around Christianity and Culture, Season 1. There are many false views about suffering that people believe as followers of Jesus. Job is a tragic and hopeful story in the Old Testament. Job was a man of wealth, influence, success, and had a very large family. He was a man of character and loved God. Through a series of tragic events, he lost everything. His employees, vocation, wealth, children, health, and his wife told him to curse God and die. The majority of the book of Job is an ongoing dialogue between him and his friends as he was walking through horrible suffering. His friends had so many false views about suffering. At the end of the book of Job, he is restored, God affirms him, and he is blessed with far more wealth and influence than he had previously. There are a lot of teachings that float around Christianity about suffering, some that are good and helpful, and some that are false and unhelpful. I would like to point out those views about suffering that are false so that we do not continue to perpetuate them. These views are not only unhelpful, but they also can be destructive emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. In episode 6, I would like to point out false views about suffering in Christianity. As we note each of these false views, I would like to use Job and Jesus as illustrations combating the false views. False view number 1. Suffering is always a consequence or punishment for sin in your life. According to Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, God said this about Job. God said, Job was my servant. God said that there was none like Job on the face of the earth. God said that Job was blameless and upright, a man who feared God and turned away from evil. Jesus suffered and never sinned. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Both Job and Jesus uh, followed God. Jesus perfectly, Job imperfectly. And yet he was still blameless and upright and suffered more than any person during his time. False view number two. Suffering does not happen to those who are walking with Jesus. According to Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2, Job walked with God and suffered widespread suffering. Jesus, as well, walked uh, in obedience to his Father's will, and he suffered more than any person in human history. John chapter 6 verse 38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Later on, Jesus would go to the cross, taking upon himself the guilt of the wrongdoing and sins of humanity, suffering to the greatest extent in human history. False view number three, suffering does not happen to successful people and spiritual leaders. Job chapter one tells us that Job was extremely wealthy. And also that Job was the greatest of all people of the East, meaning the most influential person on the earth in that region at that time. And he suffered immensely. Jesus was God in the flesh, the greatest leader in human history. 
He suffered rejection. He suffered betrayal. He suffered crucifixion and humiliation. And he suffered judgment for the sins of the world. So those who are successful and those who are spiritual leaders do suffer. False view number four. Suffering is always understandable. In Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, there's an exchange of communication between God and Satan. Job had no clue the conversation in heaven in which God was validating him and Satan was accusing his faith as not being genuine. And thus you see this story unfold where Satan thinks that Job's going to turn away from God in the midst of his suffering. And Job doesn't even have a clue that this is going on in the background. Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, we see this about the ninth hour. Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was on the cross, taking upon himself the sins and wrongdoing of humanity. And he was separated from the Father for the first time. And he was in this state of confusion and separation, something he had never experienced in all of eternity. False view number five. Suffering family dysfunction and or betrayal is always a direct result of some sort of wrongdoing in your life. In Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see that Job loved his kids, but he was aware of the possibility that they might be sinning or rebelling against God. So he would sacrifice for them. Job loved his wife. Job's wife told him to curse God and die. Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind and did not believe in him until after the resurrection. In Mark chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. In John chapter 7, verse 5, we see, For not even his brothers believed in him. So sometimes we may suffer family dysfunction or even betrayal, and it has nothing to do with our choice or something that we did per se. False view number six, suffering can be fixed by philosophical and theological discussions. We learn from Job chapter two through Job chapter 35 that Job's friends came to him with thorough philosophical and theological discussions based on their own reasoning for his suffering. And all of these discussions that were philosophical and theological were of no help to Job. They did not alleviate his pain. They exasperated his pain. He, they were trying to blame him and find some sort of fault in him. And they didn't like how he was interacting with his suffering, how he was experiencing it, how he was crying out, how he was struggling and wrestling in the messiness of suffering. And thus they were trying to point the finger at Job which only affected his suffering and made it worse. Jesus suffered and no discussion alleviated the pain and separation he experienced from the Father on the cross. False view number seven. Suffering reveals God-fearing, doctrinally orthodox friends are always good friends. Job chapter two through 35 Job called his friends 
who stated they feared God and knew all the theological discussions, Job called his friends miserable comforters, persecutors, and treacherous. Jesus had his friends. He had disciples. And all of the disciples either left him or betrayed him at his moment of greatest suffering. False view number eight. Suffering should be met with exuberant joy. Romans chapter five, verses three and four states, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. James chapter one, verse two says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Some think that when you enter into trials, there should be this exuberant joy. You should be smiling and happy. And that just is not the reality of any illustration we see in scripture. These verses aren't necessarily teaching that you're excited about your trials. They're teaching that there's this inner joy because you know God is at work and God is present with you and God is helping you in the midst of your trials. Job chapter 3, we see that Job despaired of life itself when he was in the midst of his trial. Not necessarily smiling and clapping. Job was not jumping up and down with joy, smiling over his tragic suffering. He was experiencing the pain and the brokenness of suffering. In Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in agony over the cross. He was sweating drops of blood in anticipation of the cross, a rare medical phenomenon called hematidosis, where you're in such agony emotionally, mentally, that you literally uh, sweat drops of blood because your capillaries burst. False view number nine. Suffering always ends tragically. The end of the story of Job, Job chapter 43, or 42, pardon me, we learn this. There is always hope in suffering. God revealed himself to Job and showed himself to be sovereign, powerful, gracious, able to heal, and a defender of Job and his brokenness. Job asked why, but was never given the answer. He learned to trust God where he could not understand. And God blessed his life twice as much as he was blessed before his season of deep, broken suffering. One writer said this, In the final scene of the poem, Job discovers that the agony of suffering dissolves in the affirming warmth of divine presence. A vision of God absorbs his being and uplifts him to complete sense of worth. The book fails to give a definitive answer to the question of suffering, and rightly so, for it lies beyond the purview of any mortal. Great perspective, however, is extended by offering these different vantage points from which pain may be viewed. Jesus, at the point of greatest suffering, dies on the cross, is buried in a grave, And three days later, death could not hold its grip on Jesus. He rose in victory over sin, death, and evil, and Satan. And Jesus, in his illustration of resurrection and the reality of rising from the grave, teaches all of us that hope 
is always a reality for all people. And ultimately, our hope is found in Jesus and his offering of grace, his offering of being present with us in a relationship, both presently in our lives and for all of eternity. Hope may not look the same for every single person, but the reality and truth of hope, both hope now in the presence of God and hope in the future in his presence in his perfected kingdom is a reality when we believe and follow and know Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to hope in God. I want to encourage you today to know that hope is a reality, even in the midst of our pain and brokenness. I look forward to talking with you more next week as we start to discuss mental health, particularly the idea of depression, and anxiety, and PTSD. That's a wrap for today. Thanks again for joining me. This is a brand new podcast, and I would love for you to help me spread the word. You can send a link to your family and friends, post something on your social media, and write a review on iTunes. Thank you for your support. I can't wait to join with you next week for more conversations around Christianity and culture, season one.